Welcome to the Your Houston Show. This is your host, Nicholas Hall. And this is your co-host, Mario Castillo. How are you doing today, Mario? I'm glad we're back in the studio recording. We took a little break, um, but it feels good to be doing another show. Does it ever. So thank you. Thank you, everybody, for watching the show. Thank you for all the, the feedback. Uh, we really couldn't do this without you, so I just wanted to start with that and thank our audience. And if you're new, Mario, why don't you tell everybody about your Houston? We are a local quality of life nonprofit that is really focused on issues impacting Houstonians at the city, the county, and the school board level. And, and we really focus on quality of life issues. And what that means is issues that impact parks and green space, issues that impact mobility and transportation, uh, making sure that roads are safe and people on a bike are safe, people walking on a sidewalk are safe, um, issues that impact local and small businesses like parking regulations and, and things that are typically in the weeds. You know, there's a lot that happens at the local level and it tends to impact your daily life more than things that happen at the federal or the state level. And, and we really want to focus on that because it doesn't get as much attention as the other uh, branches and forms of government, uh, but it really does make a difference in your day-to-day -day life. And, and these issues tend to be nonpartisan. Um, they're, they're common sense and, and they're really not political. And that's where we like to stay. Yes, we do. We like to say we take it easy on the people, but we're hard on the issues. And so in being a nonprofit, you know, we created this show so that we could stay connected with our, our members, our board, and also with our, our audience. So once again, I'll say, I'll say it many times. Thank you. Um, and, and don't be shy. Reach out to us. Get involved. There's so many ways you can make a difference in this city and make it a better city. Um, so, you know, it's been a while since we've had a show and a lot has happened What's this big news? I think there's an announcement regarding a challenge we may have had, Mario. Well, eh, we we did a weight loss challenge during the month of September and extended it a little bit into October. Um, and I believe the results show, Nick, you won the challenge. I think we both won. I think when we're both losing weight, we're both winning at life. Um, but you lost more weight, so you <laughs> you won the overall challenge. Well, let's, let's talk about that, because you didn't give me the exact weigh-in. So I don't know what you're comfortable with. Do you want to talk about just a, a big number, how much you lost in total? The Without the exact like weight number, total was only five pounds. <laughs> five pounds is solid. You know, I think that's a pound a week. Yeah. Which is a 3,500 calorie deficit a week, which is 500 calories a day. I think that that's winning. Okay. I'm impressed with your math there off the top of your head, but. You know, I, I did excel at, at numbers as, as a young child, and I, I think I'm still good at today. Uh, I appreciate the compliment, and I appreciate you playing the weight loss challenge. Um, so for those of you, if this is the first time you're seeing the show, we like to keep things interesting and challenge one another. And, and so what we did was during the Houston restaurants uh, weeks, it was multiple weeks, and they actually extended it until the end of September, which was kind of a curveball there. Um, but we decided, you know, we're going to participate and go to our restaurants and at the same time being healthy because we're mindful of the pandemic and 
a lot of sedentary lifestyles. So we tried to keep things interesting and, and keep moving. Um, so Mario, I think you still win. I don't think it's just a Nick wins, Mario loses. I think we won together. So what was your final um, number for pounds lost? So I weighed in at, I'm just going to say it, 193.5 at the beginning of the challenge. And depending upon when you do the official weigh-in, let's just say I lost 18 pounds. So, and I'm still losing. I'm still trying to lose because I do have a goal in mind that I'm, I'm really striving for. Um, so I think I was averaging about two and a half pounds a week. That's it. Do you have some applause music on the board there that you I mean, could? I think so. No. That's, no. <laughs> oh, no. Crickets. <laughs> oh, now everybody's laughing at me. But there we there go. There you go. There, go. there you go. It's been a while. So, yeah, uh, it was a lot of hard work. Congratulations. That's incredibly impressive. I appreciate it. And, you know, now you get to pick the next challenge. So have you had time to think about that? I think the next one needs to be a 30 days no meat. No meat. So not vegan. Correct. I want to qualify this a bit. Cheese. Eggs, it's all, it's all good. So I can still Dairy. eat my breakfast. If I eat breakfast, because during this weight loss challenge, I some days was not eating a breakfast, um, which I could say, I can definitely say the fast 800 diet, that works. And if you don't know about it, I'd be happy to tell you about it because that's something, you know, people that do a diet that works, they just love to share that information. Yes, they do. Um, so, all right, no meat. So... Today's guest, the topic, I'm excited. We're getting into small business, local business. Tell us about it, Mario. We are going to talk to Travis Weaver, the owner and founder of A Man Ready Mercantile. And he has such an interesting story. We're really excited to speak to him. And your Houston is, is really engaged at the local level on policies and initiatives that make it easier for folks to start their business or to be a successful entrepreneur or whatever that might be. Um, and so we want to make sure that things like parking regulations and um, planning and permitting are processes that work well and that are, that are not uh, burdens and barriers to uh, folks like Travis. And, and we are going to talk to him and hear all about uh, the things that he's been able to accomplish and how he's given back to the city as well. Um, and so this is uh, really in line with our mission and our work, and we're really excited uh, to get a chance to speak with him. We know he's really busy right now. Yeah, I'm excited. Any, anytime we get to talk about business and small business and deregulation and doing what we can to incentivize the Houston way, as I like to think of it. You know, uh, Man Ready has been featured on Forbes, GQ. It's one of the was one of the twenty five best news stores in the country. Wow! Or I'm sorry, in the world in 2017. Double in the wow. world, um, they were featured on Goop, Houstonia, Texas Monthly. I mean, it's it's gotten accolades from all over, and and he's done a really good job 
with his business and his brand. And so, and he's done Houston proud. Um, so we'll, we'll get a chance to, to pick his brain and to also see how COVID's impacting local small businesses right here in Houston. Yeah. I mean, and I just want to say, you know, my research, I found that Travis has done a lot of stuff for Houston. He's part of the relief hub for the Harvey efforts, still involved with the city and, and doing things within the communities. And he also, for something, veterans are near and dear to my heart. And he did a, a wonderful thing in participating with Lieutenant Fly. He was a World War II vet, turned 100 years old, lost his house and other things in Hurricane Harvey. And he's part of that effort with Marcus Luttrell to, to really rebuild that and and show respect to to what I will say is the greatest generation. So I really, I'm, I'm very, it's an honor and a privilege to have Travis on the show and I'm excited to get into the topics. I feel the liftoff. The clock has started. Roger. Now is the time of the show where we're going to ask some questions to get those brain juices flowing, get some neuroplasticity, uh, really warm up and get ready for the main event. So first question you can have a free dinner at any restaurant in Houston. Where are you going and what are you ordering? Free dinner anywhere in Houston? I like cultivari. Pretty pretty good. A lot of people, I feel like, would pick cultivari. I mean, I that's, think, a, that's a standby. That's a classic there yeah. in the Heights. It's right down the road for me. And uh, get out there in that garden, get one of those gin and tonics going, get warmed up, get some of those wings in me. How can you go wrong? There you go. Okay, so what is the next travel destination on your bucket list? You know, uh, I would like to go to Banff, actually. I keep seeing these pictures pop up on uh, social media and Instagram of this just like crazy landscapes and peace and just, you know, hopefully it's a place where my cell phone actually will not work. That's that, what I'm praying for. That is always a great place to go. It's one of my favorite things to do. Um, so solid answer. We've got solid answers across the board right now. Uh, if you could buy one thing from your store, what would it be? You know, I um, I think one, one thing from my store, it's kind of always a go-to, is our whiskey-soaked beef jerky. Uh, it's one of the most popular items in the store. You know, it's great just for a snack and on the go. Uh, I'm always moving and shaking and I can throw some in my backpack and, you know, if I can't grab lunch, I can pound some of that beef jerky and keep on trucking. So that's kind of a go-to item for me. You had me at beef. (laughs) Okay. Travis to TikTok or not to TikTok? I I don't uh, understand TikTok. (laughs) Um, I'm one of those. Uh, I'm pretty savvy on, on most social media platforms and, uh, that I just don't get. I think it's it's got different purposes. Um, I've had a lot of people want me to do it with the man ready thing, and and uh, I'm not opposed to it. I'm just trying to like sniff it out still, and I don't know if I'm if I've lost if I'm off the bandwagon if I've lost the the train's already gone and I'm just behind. But I'm trying to I'm trying to. That's a great question. I'm trying to figure that one out. I mean, my question would be like, at some point you're saturated. Isn't there too much social media? What's the healthy balance? All right. Next question. If and or when you go on Shark Tank, which shark would you like to partner with? Well, you know, funny story. uh, When I started Man Ready, I actually applied and was going to be on Shark Tank. This was in 2012. 
and uh, I had a product that we never actually ended up ended up developing. I wanted to go on there. I needed the money for that particular product, and uh, it wasn't something I could like make on my own. And it needed sp very specific packaging and a couple of other things. Long story short, they called me before I was supposed to fly out and said, hey, you know, we've already filmed 72 sharks, I mean, uh, 72 uh, applicants in this round of 90. So it's already airing at this point. And the sharks had too many, they had so many startups, they didn't want another startup. So they said, I said, well, what does that mean? They said, well, you're gonna, we, we'll call you next year because these last round of 18 or whatever vendors or brands or whatever you wanna call it, they're gonna bring in, they need to have pre-existing pre sales. Okay, so again, what does that mean? They said, well, go get sales and we'll call you next year. I said, do you understand how this works? I need the money in order to make the product to get the sales. I mean, right. I don't know what you're, you're not grasping here. Ah, you'll figure it out. And that's actually whenever I started making products in my apartment that I could go door to door into flea markets and things like that selling to be able to raise enough money to make that product to get onto Shark Tank. And they called me the next year. Sure enough, I said, hey, you know, oh, my God, you guys are going to love it. I've got all these sales and all this traction. I'm in all these stores and blah, blah, blah. And they said, great. What does that product end up looking like? I was like, I never made it. They're like, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, I got busy making all these other products. And they're like, okay, well, send us those products. <laughs> so they're like, okay, you're a go again. I said, great. This is awesome. I'm emotional. I'm calling my mom. Everybody's crying. And, uh. They called me up again before I fly. Said uh, our trademark lawyer were owned by Sony, Finmac, Shark Tank, Disney, all these affiliates or whatever. Said we our trademark and patent attorneys. They don't have. They haven't had enough time to to look at all of the copy and content or whatever for all these products that you've made. It's just too, there's so many names and ver ver verbiage and so on and so forth. You're gonna. We're gonna have to call you next year after you have time to look at all this oh, stuff. I said, man. Well, I just forget it." It's like you put me through this ringer and this crazy process and all this stuff you have to go through. So forget it. And I just went off and opened my own store and said, "To hell with them." So. Well, Mr. Cuban, if you're listening or one of your staffers is listening, I think it's time that we get man ready on Shark Tank. So. I think Bring they'd be all over it. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I mean, do. And I think there's plenty of products and different things that they could entertain. So. It would be pretty cool to be business business partners with Mark Cuban. Let's get real. Yeah. So I think that he's like your spirit shark because <laughs> that element of making candles from your apartment. I, he's a hustler like that, right? And they're all hustlers, but I really think he could really relate to that. So hopefully, there's some bot combing through the language right now on the interwebs, and this lines you up with Shark Tank for the next season. Well, maybe this is my golden ticket for you guys right here. <laughs> shark Tank will come. All right. In the spirit of Halloween, what's your favorite uh, Halloween costume you've ever worn? <laughs> uh, I'm not a, not, you know, uh, uh, that's an interesting question. Um, I normally like get it, just giving out the candy to kids. I don't uh -huh. know. I'm, a, I'm more of the dude that sits on the front porch having a drink and, and, and hooking kids up with awesome candy. That's my thing. I like get like the good stuff, fruit roll-ups, yep. you know, like the real deal. Full-size candy bars. Yeah, mm. like bags of like the Harbor or whatever brand gummy bears, you know, just not like the candy corn that your kids are just pissed and they throw it down like, <laughs> my God, why'd you give me that? So I'm not my dude, you know. I can hook them up. Well, kids out there appreciate it, I'm sure. Uh, I'm going to stick okay. with Halloween here. 
Would you rather take a knife to a gunfight with John Wick or a gun to a knife fight with the Wolverine? I do. Um, one of my uh, passions is I'm a competitive um, shooter, actually, and I grew up doing long range uh, bolt guns. And I do three gun, which is the training that that Keanu Reeves actually went through for John Wick. It's called three gun where you have a rifle, pistol, shotgun. And, uh, you know, it's a lot of fun, a great stress relief. It's got a lot of awesome camaraderie and I'm pretty dang good at it. So pretty comfortable with it. I think the Wolverine needs to be scared then. Um, (laughs) And it's funny, we were talking to Houston's future over here and I was like, how do you actually kill the Wolverine? (laughs) And, And what the actual outcome was, you can drown him. You can drown him in acid, which I think was a redundant response. It wasn't from Houston's future. It was from the internet. Um, but the other one was you could shame him and publicly humiliate him. So I think if you put up a good fight against the Wolverine, whether you were able to survive or not, eventually he'd be shamed publicly because you're such a good shot. So <laughs> the Wolverine would lose. There you go. Okay, my last one sticking on Halloween. Your favorite scary movie favorite scary movie i guess you know your uh your nightmare on elm street type type deal you know just kind of the old school like the classics on that stuff i remember um uh we used to go to the ymca um camps growing up uh my uncle was one of the directors and all this stuff for him so we'd go there and then i remember they would uh the kids in the in the cabin they would you know this was out in the middle of nowhere uh on the on a river and um, they would start sing- singing that chant at night, you know, one, two, he's going to, Freddie's going to come yep. for you. And all the kids would be freaking out and scared. And like, you're listening like outside, there'd be like an armadillo out there wrestling. You're thinking it's Freddie coming in. <laughs> so I think that's kind of that's the old school stuff like that. You know, any scary movie is a good movie for me. Um, so, well, now we survived liftoff, and we're going to transition into the more serious questions, but we'll still have some fun. Uh, so first question is, how did a guy from a small town in West Texas build a successful brand like Man Ready Mercantile? Well, you know, I, I didn't grow up with, with much. I grew up in Zephyr, Texas. I guess it's a population like, I don't know, maybe there's, there might be 500 people there. And we had 22 students in our graduating class. We're all in the same school, K through 12. We actually played six-man football instead of 11-man because we didn't have enough people. Um, and, um, you know, what, what really helped me, I think, the most is the small-town values and mentality and work ethic. And, uh, you know, you have to work with your neighbor you support your neighbor, your community, you treat people fairly, you treat people equally, you lead by example, you don't get out of line because there's serious consequences. People don't really have the tolerance for stuff like you see these days, I guess. Um, you know, they, things are, it's just a different way of life. And I incorporate a lot of those things that I learned back then into uh, this business. And I can assure you, if I didn't you know, follow some of those guidelines and boundaries, then we certainly wouldn't be here today like we are. And uh, with, uh, you know, the website is as big as it's gotten and, and, and the, the, you know, the kind of, we're not, we're not a household name, but we've definitely got a little bit of traction, I think, through social media and stuff like that. And I think it's because 
I applied that same type of, like I said, logic into everything. And people kind of saw that. And it was just more than just a, a retail store and a little website and little local makers. I think they saw some different level of pride and a different level of work ethic and a different level of you know, community involvement that really resonated well in the heart and soul of people. And they're like, Hey, you know, I could get off my couch and I could do this. This guy, look at him. He didn't come from anything. He figured it out. He worked his way through college. He worked multiple jobs. He never gave up. He worked, you know, instead of working 40 hours a week and thinking you're crushing it, you know, I'm going to even, I don't remember the last time I worked only 60 hours a week. I mean, you've got to like grab another gear. You've got to put in, you've got to pay your dues. And that's just something that I think that really was a big difference for me because I have lots of vendors that I know, lots of other stores that we sell to. So I can see their, their, what they do and what they don't do. And we just operate at a different pace. We offer, operate with a, a different mentality. And so does all of our staff. And it's kind of comes from the top down and, and they pick up on it very quick. You know, there's going to be high level of expectation. You know, I have a trademark that we own called work hard, live well. It's not, um, you know, um, halfway do things, scrape by. That's not the trademark. It's work hard, live well. I mean, it's pretty serious terminology if you think about it. And I just learned early on in life, nothing was going to be given to me. It'd have to be earned. And, um, you know, uh, I, um, I just work harder and, and, and that's, that's my thing. I just didn't have the, the background in education and all that sort of stuff. I just had to like grind it out every single day and just, and, and when nobody's looking, never stop, never uh, give up. Yeah. It's a common thread with entrepreneurs. I mean, the school of life and the university of life and Hey, if you played six man football, man, that's a lot of work right there. That, that should be pretty much summarize the entire spirit of being a small business owner and growing a business. Um, you got to play offense, you got to play defense, you got to kick as well, you got to receive as well. So uh, I really appreciate that story. I think it's really important for the audience and, and everyone out there to understand, you know, our organization, we're, we're a nonpartisan, we're a nonprofit, we're really about quality of life initiatives. And part of that is really involving the business community and the entrepreneurship community um, to really interface with the public sector and, and politics, because that's really, you know, how you can make a difference. Um, so I appreciate that story. Thank you. Well, it, it is a very inspirational story. And I think there are a number of folks in Houston who have that same drive and that same passion, who maybe make soaps or other goods and they sell them at the Easton Market or at the Heights Farmers Market, you know. What would you say was the key to taking it to the next level? So you go from making the candles at home, you're selling them door to door, you're selling them at the markets, and then you have a store. What, you know, in between those two, what was the big key for you that allowed you to be successful? So for those that don't know, I started by making, man ready by making soy candles and reusable whiskey glasses in my apartment and I went door to door selling them. I do flea markets. I'd go to bars and set up a tent at night, selling, you know, selling candles at bars. I made like a bubble bath and I put it in whiskey bottles and bath salts. I put it in whiskey bottles. So I was, I was basically selling the, these products that were a little bit more geared towards women for some reason in the past and kind of made them a little bit more okay for guys. And then, um, so I think you have to have a good idea and a good product. You have to have a differentiating point. And my differentiating point was, again, 
taking products that were for kind of for women, making them okay for guys. And, you know, if you had kind of an edge, um, you got to, you know, if you get into something, if you get into something that's, um, sort of saturated, like, you know, you go to these markets, you see a lot of people that are making jewelry and stuff like that. That's all good and great. But in those markets, you don't really stand out, you know, uh, in my opinion. So having something that stands out and, and then getting behind it and then getting the FaceTime, meaning you can't just kind of stay at home and having, you could even have this great product, but you have to get out and, and shake hands. You have to meet people. You need the FaceTime. You need to, to be in front of lots and lots of people to increase your likelihood of your, your, your visibility. And I would say that, you know, don't listen to what everybody says, but all, but look at what other people do. And what I mean by that, I remember my buddy, he was like, I was talking to him, like, I'm going to make all these products. And like, well, people already make these products, huge companies making, making candles and all these bubble baths and bath salts. Why would anybody buy your product? I said, well, I, I, you know, I just want the crumbs of the big market. I mean, the big segment, you got to think about that. That's big numbers. That's big dollars, right? Just the crumbs of something big. And, um, I, uh, so I just was, I just, my visibility level was way out there because I was in front of so many people every single day doing something. So you've got to increase that because that is a numbers game, whether it's posting on social media, you could have the best product ever, but if you're not getting it out there on social media, which is free, right. Then people, they're just not going to see it. So it's, you got to do the markets. You got to do the events. You got to go knocking on doors, trying to get in retailers. If wholesale is your thing. So you've got to up that level and you've got to up the level of hours that you work. People, you, you know, if you think you're going to come out of something by working 40 hours a week, you're sadly mistaken. If you think you're going to do it 50 hours, you're not even getting started. 60, you're barely getting warmed up. 70, you're onto something. 80 should be your goal if you think you're going to rise and churn to the top or get out of that rut or that hole or, or whatever it is that you're, you know, is, is that you're going through. You know what I mean? Your goal needs to be 80 hours a week working on, on, on a small business, in my opinion. And that's minimal. Would you know, you, so, and the, I mean, Travis, so would you would you say that that work ethic was instilled instilled in you, you know, from growing up in a small town and and having that sense of community? Or is it something that you've you've just kind of worked really hard and, and developed over time? Yeah, for sure. You know, I mean nobody back home works 40 hours a week and what are you going to do with the rest of your time? I mean, and seriously, I mean, what are you going to do? You know? So if you have kids at home and you have this and that, and you have all these other things, you're going to have to figure that out with it. Maybe you, maybe you're able to create something at home because you have kids at home and you can need to figure out what is going to incorporate well with whatever it is that you're making that is going to give you the time to increase your visibility and um, and to get behind this sort of thing and get it out there, because otherwise you're just going to be fighting this this struggle. This it's never going to end, especially as that business gets older uh, or grows and gets bigger. Hopefully, you got to have it to where it's going to sink. It's like a relationship, right? It's got to it's it's got to be compatible with with what you have going on in, in your home life and and or whatever. So, but yeah, the work ethic, I mean, I just see uh, during COVID, uh, you know, I tried to make it a goal to call at least either five of our vendors. And what I mean by that is people that supply products to Man Ready, because we don't just carry Man Ready products. We have hundreds of other vendors from around the world. And um, I would also call our stores that we sell to, which are like Man Ready or um, 
like bearings here in Houston, which I'm in their parking lot right now because I just delivered some of their products. So I would call five of them a day at least every single day to check in on them. Hey, what's working? What's not working? This is what we're doing. This is what we're getting traction with. What are you buying? What are you selling? What are you seeing? Like, what's the, how are you handling this? What are you doing with your staff? What do you, I would hear so many people say, ah, you know, I'm just, you know, trying to get through this. I've been working at home. I'm basically staying, you know, I'm drunk all day long and I've watched the entire Netflix. I watched all of Netflix. Like, that's what you're doing? Like, you're, you're, you're staying, I get it. You know, we're all drinking more these days, but like, that's your thing. That's your, you're just watching TV and drinking? Like, just waiting for time to go by? Like, you know, I don't get it. So, um, I don't know. I mean, I'm just always kind of looking at what, again, like I'm looking at what other people are doing, but I'm not always listening. I mean, I'm always doing what they're doing, depending on that, what I, what, how I process it. And so it's, it's been an interesting thing for me, um, going through all of this with the COVID thing and, and seeing what the, what other people are doing, but I try to learn from their mistakes. So speaking of COVID, you know, for me, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like you kind of growing up in a smaller town. I'm, I'm from a smaller town relative to Houston. You know, your community is talking to your neighbors, finding out what's going on. You don't need to go to social media. You just walk next door. Um, so would you say you kind of brought that mindset to your business and turning your, your customers and your vendors in, into just an extended family or network whereby you're constantly engaging, you're constantly connecting, sharing information and, and helping one another? I mean, would you say that that kind of came from growing up in Zephyr and, and kind of translates into your business here in Houston, or is it something you worked at? Yeah, definitely. I mean, because, you know, you, <clears throat> you talk to, you know, the farmers and ranchers about, you know, um, you, you're, you're always having to, you have to work together there, you know, and uh, whether it's borrowing something or, and then when you borrow it or you returning it in just as good a shape, if not better and cleaner than, you got it from them because what's going to happen is next time you need to go borrow whatever, or whether it's a tool or a tractor or something, a trailer, you don't return it. You return it late or you it's messed up or dented or whatever, or not cleaned. They're not going to be so willing to help you next time. So it's like little things like that, that people don't think about, you know, or maybe you didn't have enough money. You need to, you know, you need to harvest this particular thing, but you didn't have enough money for whatever it may be. So you go borrow some money from the bank or from your neighbor or whatever, which is very common there. And typically maybe your neighbor is the banker. So it all goes hand in hand, but you don't handle that all right. And you, you're late or this and that, or you're not honest about whatever your intentions are. They sniff it out. People are not stupid. I mean, the, you know, and I think that if you're a little bit fake on social media, you're a little bit fake in the way you run your business. I mean, the general public, I mean, they're so smart and you're coming in contact with a lot of people. There's going to be people that are going to see through that real quick. You're going to have holes and you're going to have gaps on how you operate. And there's a reason why, like a lot of these people that I talk to, um, a lot of these stores and vendors have, have come out of this ahead because they have been proactively working together and doing different little giveaways together or cross promoting or uh, sharing other people's stories or doing stuff like this and working together with the community or, or whatever. And people see that you're not always having to be selling something. You just need to be selling the idea of doing good, doing being of uh, value uh, to people. And then they, they fall in love with that. You know what I mean? It's contagious in, in a positive form. 
and we're all broke and broken and everything else. I mean, I get it. You know, we're, I'm in no, I'm in the same boat as everybody, but being positive and having good spirits, good energy, working well with people and all that stuff, that's free. You can still do that, right? You can promote, I can go promote somebody on social media. That's free. Like, hey, I'm at Bearings Hardware. You know, I'm going to go take a picture of in here before I leave and say, hey, you know, these guys have worked with us for six years and stop by and say hi and blah, 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 and talk to Ken or whatever. Tell them we said hi. All that stuff's free, but people forget it because if, you, if you're thinking about, like, just me, 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 instead of like, how can we, it's going to be a rough, long, bumpy road. And there's a reason why whenever everything started opening back up a little bit, especially like in Houston, people were coming into Man Ready, asking how we were doing, saying, oh my God, I saw how you guys were giving out sanitizer to, you know, fire departments and nursing homes and masks to here and doing this and supporting that and promoting this business and that business and whatever. They see that. And they see what you're doing and it, it, they fall in love with it. And that's a great way to run a business, no matter how big or small you are. It's the way we'd like to do things, you know. Yeah, it takes a village, right? It definitely does. And there's already so many challenges that small businesses face every day. Then you add in the COVID-19 pandemic on top of that. And a lot of small businesses aren't going to open back up again. Um, it's good to see that y'all are still open. I know y'all just opened a store in Austin, I believe in March. Um, how, how have, have you been able to weather the storm? So it's weird. Like the, the two cities in the, in the same, the same state, our Houston location is doing pretty good. Uh, Austin location. It's different. Um, the two cities are handling the COVID thing very, very differently. It's oil and water, I guess, is be a good terminology. And um, it's uh, it's a challenge. You know, we got a lot of friends in Austin that and um, that had businesses there that are no longer there. You know, um, the whole thing in my is managing risk appropriately. Uh, in Houston, we do it very well. Um, you know, we're cleaning that place top to bottom every day, social distancing with the uh, you know, doing the mask thing. I mean, you know, all the, all the guidelines and, um, but Austin, you know, it's just, um, the tourism, there's no, it's, it's gone. You know, uh, people are just not, they're not out. They're not doing anything. They're just kind of, um, <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. They're just not, they're not doing anything. And that like, and it's kind of that, that stay at home, save lives mentality. Now I get that. That's great. That, that's nice to be able to do, right? You want to be, I mean, if you can stay at home and, you know, and, and if you can, if you can do that, then, then great, more power to you. That would be, I don't know that that's the only way to do things, you know, whenever you're trying to work and you know, run a business and then keep the jobs going and keep those people paid and all the other things that come along with it and the landlords taken care of and all the, I mean, it just, I don't think you can, just stay at home. It just uh, it would be nice to be able to stay at home, raise chickens in the backyard, have a garden, and then pop up in a couple of years and everything's great. You know, the landlord doesn't come knocking, the repo dude doesn't come to yanking your car. Everything's fine for the next whatever time, but it doesn't work that way. And it's that kind of oh well, you can build it back type of mentality. I don't think that flies too well. I don't think that's the best method. Um, build it back from what? <laughs> You're halfway through life. 
you sunk everything into this thing, the, the retirement, the whatever, the it's all in, you went all in for your small business. Or that is what most people do. Uh, you're not typically setting on a lot of money in the bank because you're reinvesting it into your business. <clears throat> and if that's gone, there's no, technically, could you build it back? Maybe, maybe, but you're, bankrupt you've got liens from whatever you've got nothing in the bank you're waiting on from some check to come from god only knows who's going to send it every month or whatever i don't even know how that happens and you're 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 just you're you're toast i don't think that's a good approach and so i see a lot of people that are just a lot of those people that i call up on the phone unfortunately like i said those five phone calls a day i got a lot of calls that's they just they're they're already done and that sucks that's the phone calls i hate like, oh man, like, I wish I want to call this one, you know, like, crap, I'm asking how business is going. He's sitting there telling me it's gone, it's done. It's a tough deal. And so the Austin thing is, that's been a challenge because that was our thing. We, you know, South Congress, we had amazing other stores around us. We're thinking like, this is our way that we can create more jobs, uh, give better opportunities to our community as far as involvement and different nonprofit, other companies we support and promote and whatever like this is a way this is our next thing we went all in and then we were going to launch it during south by southwest and then boom can't open so we invested into the build out we invested into all the all the products that were coming in plus we had all all the uh spring deliveries coming into the manority location so now you got double the rent double the products and that store can't even open so we had to reroute all the stuff to Houston and then boom, it has to close. So we're like, yep. crap. Okay. What do we do? So were y'all able to, to participate in the PPP program, the paycheck protection program? Yeah. So luckily I've got some really awesome business partners. Um, and, uh, they were able to get, uh, to get that. And, uh, so that was incredible. Uh, they acted fast, they acted early, but like anything, like I said, when you're you got double the rent, double the inventory, and now the Houston store had to close. So I can't remember how long it was closed for. Around to re basically try to just you know build up the manready.com and, and the online orders, which people were buying through it. Thank goodness. Um, you, you just you're so upside down, like in backwards and twisted and turned. It was like. Oh my gosh. So the Austin thing, um, we just, we just decided to go ahead and open it. Like, I can't remember what month it was. It's maybe three months ago or something like that, where nobody was hardly open, uh, on, uh, or in that area. And, um, that's a new development on South Congress called music lane. They have like a Le Labo there, um, Lululemon, they're building a Soho house, all these crazy places. So that was supposed to be, again, the most epic, like, leap of small business awesomeness ever. And then just boom. And then we open it. We're like, well, we'll open it. And people come in like Houston. I mean, they don't have anything else to do. They've been holed up in their house for three or four months. They're going to come over there, right? But no, they're just the, their patterns aren't the same as we're used to in Houston. So it's a very stark contrast you know and uh so i think the management of how you do things is very important you know how you how you um how you navigate how you manage things and it's 
it's just uh, the Austin thing's tough for so, for anybody else. You know, I I have a small business. I do business in Austin. I do business in Houston. Um, but I, I'm not a retail business. Would you say it, it has something to do with the government policies, the local government policies of Austin, or do you think it's just more of the culture of that city, or is it politics? I don't know. I'm not a big uh, political guy. Um, you know, I don't really, I just don't, you know, I, I want my rights. I want to know what they are. I want them listed out. You know, I'm going to abide by them and whatever, you know. So um, it's very similar to like, you know, I call my friends that have stores in California and New York and stuff like that. So it's a little bit kind of like that sort of vibe, I guess, is the best way to word it. And just from listening to them. Uh, so if I call my friends in some different location, they're, what they tell me is, oh, yeah, we're doing this, we're doing that, whatever. And then I call my friends in one of these other locations. They're like, well, dude, like, man, like, I'm screwed, you know, and this. And nobody's doing whatever. And they shut this down, this. So I'm like, golly, it's just, it's very interesting to me. It's not my place to make decisions or whatever. I will give them. I'll say, hey, man, based on what you're telling me, try this out. This worked for us. You know, like, you can do this, do this at home or whatever, you know, and and so it's just very interesting. I don't know. I don't know. Um, you know, um, I lived in Austin for five years, you know, uh, but back in college, but, and it was very different then than it is now. And I just, this was totally unexpected. I didn't realize how they kind of operated, but yeah, they operate very different than, than Houston. And they're just, you're kind of, you're, um, you're, uh, they're just, it's almost like you're coached differently in different areas, you know? And, um, here in Houston, we're coached one way, like, Hey, you're going to be able to keep your business open. You're going to be able to social distance or you need to, you have to social distance. You have to, um, do the sanitizer thing and limit the number of people that come in and do the mask thing and whatever, whatever, whatever. So there you're kind of coached to like, he's, Oh my God, I see this guy out there. He's in a middle of a, field by himself with no mask on i'm gonna get my phone out and get this guy on uh on the news he's killing people i mean it's like yeah i gotcha you know so it's like very different from the minute you go into into town and uh it's just uh it's kind of odd to me i, I just don't think that's i don't know i don't know the reason i just know what the way it is i mean you bring Weird. up an interesting point you're really good on social media and, and i would say you're an influencer you know i don't throw that term around lightly uh have you noticed anything from social media that kind of gives you an indication that the austin market is different from houston i mean would you say universally they're the same or that they're different in the way that they react to your posts and you interact with your following yeah i mean you know like different areas you can always kind of tell like even with like, like, um, like say, I, I'll just give you an example, like the mask thing. So, you know, I, I heard, uh, a while back, somebody, I don't even know who was like anybody on zoom calls, <clears throat> even if you're in your own home, you gotta be wearing a mask. You gotta set the tone for what, how things can be. I don't know if, if y'all heard that or not. I don't know what company or some big company. I was like, that's kind of, that's, that's kind of weird though. Right. You're basically like, makes no your sense base, it doesn't make sense like but you're setting a tone that everybody needs to wear a mask but also, i'm like you're also setting the tone that you need to fear for your life of every single thing you do even in your own home so you have to like with anything you have to have a balance you have to manage 
the risk level with whatever it may be. It could be driving a car. If I, uh, I don't do drugs, but if I went and smoked a joint and then pounded a half a bottle of Jack Daniels and I hop in the car, I've increased my level of issues that could arise from it. I don't have my seatbelt on. I'm not using the turn signal, whatever. I've, I've exponentially, you know, I'm speeding. I've increased levels of risk and I'm just not managing it that well, you know? So it's just, this has been a very interesting bit on social media. I can always kind of tell, like, if you're looking through there, you know, and it's got, you got the dude outside of the store and he's modeling the, the new outfit of the day. He's got the mask on. The dude, the guy's by himself. You got his, whoever that's working there to take a picture 15 feet away in front of the store, 20 feet away. Like, did you have to have the mask on? Is it setting a tone or are you, I mean, what's the reason? Is it just like the law that anybody out in public has to have it? I don't know. It's just kind of, it's a little bit weird to me, you know, like whenever I take a picture, you know, for social media, I'm probably, you know, I've done a lot of new stuff and it's not always, you know, I have them on or whatever. And, you know, but on, on pictures that I'm going to put on social media, I'm probably not going to have it. If it's just me on the picture, I'm not going to be wearing a mask because, you know, it's just, I don't, or am I, am I, if I'm in my own home and I'm doing Insta stories, I'm not going to be rolling around in a mask or this right. bandana. I think so, what yeah. you're saying, Travis, is that people should exercise common sense. There you go. Um, you know, if you're around others, you're contagious and or otherwise you don't want to potentiate the harm or the risk, you should be wearing a mask when you're around others. But for purposes of just wearing a mask so that others see you wearing a mask, even though you're not otherwise in a situation where there are others in the room, you know, I guess that you leave that up to your own discretion. I'm not a public health official. I'm not either. I do what they tell me to do. I give everybody their space, their distance. I clean every single thing. I've always been like that in general, though, in my home, in my business, top to bottom, spotless, the whole deal. Um, you know, it's not for me to say I do believe in, you know, wearing them, especially around other people and stuff. I just think that you've got to, the tone and the is set differently geographically. And I don't know who is exactly setting it. And that's kind of answering what you're talking about in Austin. Austin's tone is, you know, if you see another human, you know, if you interface with another human across that parking lot and you're, you're, you guys are on your deathbed together, you know, like you're just scared. Oh my God, there's another human walking down the street. Oh my God. I'm going to, you know, like, it's just, it's weird. I don't know. It is like, interesting. And then in some places you can't pay people to wear masks cause they just won't. And so it's a total <laughs> flip side of the spectrum in some parts yeah. of the country. So, I mean, it's, it is interesting how things in different regions are interpreted different ways or different, you know, information is taken to heart and other places it's not. I mean, I, I'll just say it. I think it's politicized. Um, I don't think there's any way to get around that. And so we are in the middle of a national election and local elections. And so I very much think it's politicized. And so, and I also believe in people's right to exercise common sense. And, and I do think that it's, it's healthy to wear masks when appropriate. Um, but I will say this, in my entire vein of thinking everything's politicized, I was coming back from Big Ben recently and stopped at a small town called Comfort um, outside of San Antonio, and everyone had a mask. I, I was absolutely blown away at how many people were wearing masks and staying away from one another. And so as I'm getting gas, I'm like, well, this is strange because just down the road here, you know, 200 miles, 
not many people were wearing masks. Uh, matter of fact, I don't think anybody was, uh, including the people that worked at the uh, station. And so I had to ask somebody. And I said, I had a mask on, of course, because I, when I'm around people, I just I tend to wear a mask. Um, I do believe it's serious. I believe it's something that I, I don't want the long-term risks of. Uh, I'll just leave it at that. So I had to ask somebody, why is everybody wearing a mask? Well, because people weren't wearing a mask, and it turns out that they had an outbreak, and everybody got it. So that, that's kind of where that common sense factor comes into play. So, you know, it's a matter of where's that healthy median? Where, where's that balance? And so we're still figuring that as we go. We are, but it sounds like Man Ready is doing all the right things with the social distancing, the mask wearing, making sure there's not too many people in the store cleaning it. And I've been in the store a number of times. I mean, it's a fantastic place to visit, even if you're not going to buy something, just to look around uh, at the decor and the, the products that they have that are that are just unique and interesting and, and the way that they have things laid out. It's almost... Like you're stepping into a shop in a small town from 30 or 40 years ago or even longer ago. Um, it's just, it's a very unique, interesting place to visit. Yeah, I, I don't think the audience should confuse what we're saying. We're not saying no one's wearing a mask and it's unsafe. We're saying you can use exercise of, of common sense, right? We're saying that if you're in your car, as Travis is right now, and no one else is in his car, there's something to be said about leadership that gets people feeling comfortable living their life, not staying at home, getting drunk, inebriated, watching Netflix, right? Out consuming things. Because for a healthy economy, people have to be participating in that economy. They have to be out shopping at their stores. They have to be out getting gas in their car. They have to be out getting food to eat at home. You know, when you're, you're at home, afraid of everything, the economy will shut down. It Businesses will shutter. They will not have customers anymore. And so that's, that's where the leadership really has an, a very a big responsibility. They have to strike a balance between doing what's in the best interest of public health and safety, which includes getting people feeling comfortable going back about their lives in a healthy way. So I don't know. I know it's a topic that's on everybody's mind as a small business owner. It's something that's always at the forefront of my mind because uh, I do want to see businesses doing well. And uh, it's, it, you know, unfortunately, sometimes businesses do have to file chapter seven or chapter 11, but that shouldn't be the case. There, there should be something that can be done to really get people with that healthy confidence of getting out there and participating in the economy. Because uh, that's what's in the best interest overall for people to have something to do, a sense of purpose, you know, to work those 80 hours. I think, Travis, you said 80 hours is healthy, you know, but maybe they're hitting 40 or 50 or 60 hours. But getting back to actually participating and, and living a healthy life. Yeah, that's a good way to summarize it, you know. Um, now, we're, we're all for doing our part. And, you know, of course, like I said, in both locations, you know, all the masks are all required. We're doing all the different things. I just think, you know, there's just, there's interesting contrast and in depending on, the geographic area you're in and some of the different things. It's, it's, it's interesting to me. It's, um, it's unique. <laughs> you know, so that being said, is there anything you would recommend if you could talk to the top brass at Austin or even within the city of Houston, what would you say is the best approach for your business and businesses like yours? As a small business store that wasn't considered essential because I wasn't a grocery store or a lumber yard or, um, uh, 
whatever an essential company classified was classified as, we had to, it was cut and dry. You have to close unless you're selling milk or repairing, a, uh, changing tires or whatever it may be. So all the small businesses are closed right then. You're done. I mean, you're, you're not done, but you're, you're closed immediately. No questions asked. Don't ask them. If you, if you test the waters, this is going to happen, whatever. So, you know, you're kind of like, what? I can, you can go into Target. You can go to Walmart. I can go to the lumberyard. I can go to the hardware store. I can go get my tires, whatever. You got all these other businesses that are, are able to, I mean, they're open. And you're like, what did I do so wrong? with the type of products I sell, you know, and it, it just, it just crushed so many people right then within one week, you're crushed a week of revenue loss for a small business, much less a month. That's huge. Two more? Dude, like, what do you, where, you know, how do you legitimately get through it? I mean, like you, you go try to find a genie in a bottle do you, I mean, where does it come from? And um, I think that, you know, always looking back on things, every, you've always got the best way, right? But I don't, and I don't, and I don't have it, but I just would like to have thought, I, I wish they would have been like, okay, guys, you got to, it's either got to be appointment only, or it's got to be, uh, you know, um, you've got to have, um, a capacity level, you know, based on square footage or something, you got to have something besides just shut it down. You know, like you got to manage it a little bit better because whenever the managing part of COVID isn't just managing to me, isn't just managing the, the virus, it's managing the things that go on externally due to the virus. And that's a big missing element that is kind of just sort of, in some areas, just like, like, it doesn't matter. Like, sure, I'm safe at home or safer at home, growing my garden in the backyard, you know, whatever, I go and shoot a deer on the weekend, uh, stock that up or whatever. I mean, you know, like people aren't doing those things, right? So I wish they could have just managed things a little differently with how they, you know, the, the whole shut it down type of thing. And uh, based on maybe a square footage type of model or something and, I don't know. It's, I'd have to think about it. I don't know what I would tell people, uh, an official. Um, um, I know the bar and restaurant things always are kind of an interesting element. I know right after we had then initially opened everything back in Houston, I was talking to one of our vendors, they manufacture products in Canada. Talking to him, this was months ago, right? The first time in Houston, if y'all remember, whenever they uh, opened all, everything back and there was a huge spike in COVID cases in Houston. It was like, I was talking to my buddy and he said, Oh my God, how are you guys doing down there? I said, well, what do you mean? What happened? You know, is there something on the news that I haven't seen? He goes, well, all the COVID cases. I was like, well, yeah, I know they, they yeah, I know they opened up the bars and restaurants. So it was there for a while. They weren't managing some of the, some, some of it too well. Right. You know, there was, it was like a free, it was like spring break, 1999 in some places like crazy land. Right. And so you had a huge spike of cases, I guess, from 25, 21 to 35 year old people or whatever. And then I, I told him, like I said, I guess he just stayed at home and stayed drunk and watched Netflix for the next two weeks. And then they were, that was kind of it. You know, you just didn't kind of hear anything else about it. You know, 
It's like, that's kind of it. And I was like, yeah, you know? And, um, so I don't know. I don't, I just don't think blanket patterns are good to go with. I think you have to be able to manage them appropriately, depending on your particular area. If you're in Zephyr, Texas, where 90% of the people are working out on a ranch or a tractor, you don't go say, Hey, if you're working, you all have to wear a mask. And you go yank the guy off the tractor that's out in the middle of a 400 acre field because he's not wearing a mask. It doesn't apply to him, right? Whereas it does apply to somebody if you're working at Man Ready in, on South Congress and whatever. You come in there and, you know, people aren't wearing a mask or doing whatever, then it's a different deal. I think you need to apply things, rules and, and things differently based on your geographic area and the types of business that you have or some, something. But you got to be a little bit smarter than just a blanket. This is the way it is for whatever. Yeah, or, or, or if you're going to shut down businesses, get them money sooner than later. Uh, the thing oh. that, you know, boggles my mind was, and I, I do give credit where credit is due. Both parties came together and got the PPP program done in a timely basis for the first round. But what happened after that? It got politicized. And once it was politicized, where are we at right now? We're still waiting for them to pass round two of PPP. It still has not been done. And, you know, you've got one side of the aisle that's trying to get in small government, local business. Okay, this is really simple. If you did it the first time, do it the second time. Just carve out PPP and put it as a standalone thing because you still have unemployment, right? You still have the unemployment money there. And that still needs to be supplemented for the people that rely on a paycheck. But you have small business owners that have to keep staff on payroll. And how are they supposed to do that where there are some businesses that literally cannot operate because they're shut down? And but for government intervention, they would be operating and they would still be bringing in revenue. So that's where politics kind of gets in the way of common sense solutions. I'll help you out, Travis. Here's what I would have said back then. And of course, hindsight, we can all talk about that. But what I would have said is shift the risk to the business owner, shift the risk to the business owner. The business owner has policies that otherwise put people in harm or danger. Put that on them, make them pay for that. You might want to even entertain personal liability, develop something along the lines of negligence, right? So instead, the government doing what it does, shut stuff down, gets the first round of money out there to keep small businesses alive, which everybody knows small business is imperative to a healthy economy. Where's round two? Still not there. And if you ask anyone at Capitol Hill, they're probably going to tell you, wait till after the election. Well, you didn't wait much in the beginning. We've been waiting for quite some time. I think it ended in August, right? So if you were a business that didn't get PPP, you could have applied up to August. But if you did get PPP, you could only apply once. Still can't apply for that round two. You don't even know if round two is ever going to happen. But meanwhile, businesses are still trying to recover. And what happens when small businesses don't have funding and or otherwise? Because most small businesses only have about three months of capital reserve. If they're lucky, some businesses don't. Some businesses are already drawn on their lines of credit if they're fortunate enough to even have those. So what happens to those businesses? Well, they're usually consolidated and or bought out by bigger businesses that have a bigger line of credit and or bigger pockets. So I would encourage any government, whether it be national, state, or local, 
to support your small businesses, middle business, mid-sized businesses and large businesses. Why? Because that's very important to the economy. And it's also important to mental health. It's important to people participating in the economy, uh, get, having something to do other than sit at home and watch Netflix. I'd like to know what they're watching all the time and, and what they're drinking too, right? Because you know, that's always something I, I have a curious mind for. Um, but really getting back to semblance of normal life. It's so important. Well, we don't want Amazon to buy up all these small businesses, and that's our only option. Well, if that's going to be your policy, hold on, I need to sell some stock. But anyhow, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it really is one of those things where, and I, I'm not to say it's always easy to sit there and criticize people's decisions in the past. But if this happens again, heaven forbid, if it happens again, because it's starting to show trending that it's spreading, right? I hope we learned a very important lesson. I really do. Because if we didn't learn that lesson, that maybe businesses can innovate. You know, I think there was an air filter company that's got nickel-plated air filters that actually kills coronavirus. Give those businesses the opportunity to create solutions. This is Houston, right? This is, the, this is Hustle City. This is the city where we have got a lot of engineers around. And there's ways to come up with really innovative ideas where businesses can still function. Employees still feel safe going to work. And they want to go to work. They really do. They want to go to work. I don't know of many people that are comfortable sitting on their couch or laying in bed all day long. It's just not good for the body. It's not good for your family. So shift that risk to the employer. Give them that burden to really, and give them the support. It's so important. So I'm off my soapbox now. No, it's all good points. You know, I mean, interesting perspective. I mean, how do, so for somebody that's out there hustling and networking and constantly, you know, tapping and plugging into your network, how did you deal with it at first? Where Because it sounds like you're a people person, right? You, you kind of get that energy from being around other people and interfacing with them. How did you get through that? I mean, what did you tell yourself? You, just because you have a crap situation, you know, doesn't mean you just don't try. You just give up. I mean, it's, it's, you know, I don't know that there's a whole lot of people uh, other than maybe somebody like Jeff Bezos or somebody that's really thrilled about the way things have COVID this year has been going, right? Like if you're a cocktail mixer company or you're a Redbox or Netflix or you're Amazon, you're probably pretty happy right now because, you know, things are skyrocketing. But for the most 99.9% of everybody else, you're pissed, right? You're rabid. And so do you just stay at home drunk watching that Netflix, just rabid and pissed because you can't do whatever and you're being told to do this and you're broke and whatever? Or do you, or do you try to fix it? I mean, every day, or do you, are you trying to do something that's creative? Or are you making those phone calls to five different people a day? Or are you, what are you doing on your social media? What are you doing for the community? What are you doing to better yourself? What are you doing to better your home life, your family situation? I mean, you there are silver linings in no matter how bad the crap situation is, and that's what people fail to understand sometimes. You can sit around and complain and gripe and be pissed and hurt and broke and whatever, or you can go change your stars. You can figure something out. Start another small business. Sell stuff on eBay. Buy and sell flip-flop on, you know, on eBay. Start an Etsy account. Do, you know, like, you know, sell your merchandise on eBay. Sell your merchandise on 
whatever platform get maybe get the stuff on amazon or whatever i mean there's a lot of things that you can do that's proactive but whenever you're you're not putting in those hours like i said earlier and you're just kind of coasting through this sort of deal just like you've kind of coasted through everything else it's not gonna it's probably not gonna work out that great for you you're not figuring out how to get early on the ppp loan which was not easy to do by the way no i mean you have to be pretty savvy and i, I think that's what hurt a lot of people they either didn't do it in time or apply in time or they didn't know the right banker or however that all worked out that was a that was a thing like you had to kind of know what you were doing to get through that like hey, Tress, it wasn't are just, you saying the government created something that was really difficult to comply with I, I, I didn't fill out the paperwork, but I, I mean, I know that like you had to kind of, you had to kind of know what you were doing a little bit. Okay. I mean, you had sure. to practice sorcery, sure. right? It was, uh, you know, but, um, I think that, um, every day. So if you, if you just keep having, it just goes back to that kind of that mentality, I guess that we had just growing up, like, like you have this daunting, hard work task, you're just tired, whatever it may be. Do you just like, just, just give up? You just don't go like, you know, I'm not going to go bail that hay. Ah, just screw it. I'm tired. Sunburn, um, blah, 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 whatever it may be. I'm just, you know, I just don't feel like doing it. Or do you grab another gear because things are so tough and then you grab another gear or the next day and another gear. And then while you're doing it, Maybe you pro you promote that same type of positivity to your neighbor or somebody else that's having a hard time. Maybe a lot harder time than you're having. You know what I mean? That could mean a whole lot to somebody. Those words of wisdom, that inspiration, that positivity. Because I can guarantee you, no matter how bad you think you've got it, somebody else has got it a lot worse. That's for sure. Amen. Yep. And you can for free change their day, make it a little, little, little ray of sunshine in an otherwise just crap, dark situation. So that's something that we, I, you know, when I was talking to the staff, you know, all the time, you know, even recently, <clears throat> I was like, guys, I know you're all going through a lot. Our customers, every single person that's coming in this store every day, whether it's us or them, we are going through something, something. And so, I want you, whenever you come to work, no matter what you're going through in life, I want you to be able to come into a little bit of an oasis for a day while you're working and then go home and be able to do that the next day. I want you to be able to come in and like, let it all go. You've got this little, like you said earlier, you step back in time into this old general store kind of vibe where things were a little bit simpler, not so tense, not so uptight, not so one-sided this, that, if you're not this or that. Just let it all go for a little bit and create that same type of atmosphere for every single person that comes in here. I don't care what color you are, how tall you are, how what you're into, what your job. I don't care. Our staff doesn't care, brother, yet. We do not, ca do not care. We want you to be able to come there. You don't have to buy anything. You can, we will, we want that to be an oasis that you can come to and just chill out on our Chesterfield couch. You can do whatever you want and just get away for a minute because there's not a lot of places like that these days where you can just kind of like feel like you're yourself, like you're home, like nothing else in the world is really, you know, like, and I just told him, I was like, I want that for you as a staff member. And I want that for every single warm bloody thing that comes through our, 
through our doors, whether it's a dog, a cat, a human, whatever. And by the way, they're allowed in there. You can bring them in. And like, that's my thing, man. I just wanted to create that vibe, whether it's on social media, whether it's in one of our stores and put off that kind of energy. I just think it's needed in every, just across the board. Yeah, I agree. I mean, yeah. <laughs> retail's therapy in some way, shape or form, right? So there's something to be said about feeling like your life has that magical sense of normalcy. And, and one of the things that really gets to me is people say there is a no new normal or that this is the new normal or whatever they say that has the words new and normal. Well, life's never been normal, right? And so at some level, people have to get back to life. And, and so, again, we could talk about this at length. Uh, I'll step down off my soapbox and take us to probably my favorite part of the show. Uh, Houston, we've got a problem. Okay, we've had a problem here. This is Houston, say again, please. Uh, Houston, we've had a problem. So, in the spirit of Houston and great solutions, I think we've touched on something here that has to do with the balance between in-person interaction and the social media interaction. And so here is the hypothetical question that we're going to ask Travis to solve for us here. The city has tapped you, Travis, to be its chief influencer officer. What do you do to strengthen the city's social media engagement? They have tapped me to be their chief influencer officer. It's a and sexy title. Title. <laughs> and what was the last part of that? I'm trying to absorb this. And so you are the chief influencer officer, and the city is asking you to strengthen it's social media engagement. So what are the, some of the things that have worked for you and your business that you would then implement for the city of Houston? <clears throat> so if I had to make a public service announcement to everybody about how they have to run their social media, that's right? That's that pretty cool. Sure, yeah. Okay. I would say that you need to promote positivity daily. That should be your main focus. And, you know, that I would make it mandatory for you to also promote your a neighbor. I want you to promote one neighbor minimum, one, one neighbor minimum per week. And you need to promote positivity daily. And if I had to have a, a three-part process in this little debacle... I've been in uh, tasked with. I'd say I'd want to, uh, you know, promote what you're doing for your community. And there needs to be something. I want to see what you're doing for your community, what you're doing for your neighbor, and what you're doing to promote positivity. Those are the things I'd three things I'd like to see from your social media. So it's kind of like a theory of good karma. I like it. You know, you know it could be the type of contagious situation that you really need these days. Yeah. And those are some things you don't typically see from the city's social media. So putting that into it on a daily, weekly basis, I think changes the dynamic completely. Yeah. Making yeah, it about goes, others. Right? Yeah. And that goes back to what we were saying earlier. Why is each, why are these different geographic regions? So, uh, Stark, why, why are they so 
difference, you know, in, in, in how they're do, handling things. I think it goes back to that. How are you delivering these types of messages and what you're, you know, what you got going on there dictates what the community's doing. I love you know? it. Yeah. I mean, I think it's all about just giving people hope, right? So thank you for being on the show. It's been a great time talking about something that I enjoy talking about. Mario? This has been a great conversation. We really appreciate you taking the time out. We see you in the truck making a delivery uh, to speak with us. We know you're out there hustling each and every day. And we think, you know, this is going to help inspire folks who are, you know, in entrepreneurs on their own trying to make it and, you know, who knows what they can become next. Yeah. And if you're out there in Houston and Austin, go to Man Ready. It sounds like you got a comfy couch there and maybe a good old fashioned or, or some other good beverage. You know, get off your get out of your bed and stop watching Netflix and get out there and participate in the economy. So thank you. It's been great. Well, thank you guys for the opportunity. Um, we're going <clears> to <throat> if you follow us on, you know, on social media, it's um, at Man Ready. And then short for Mercantile, M-E-R-C. Um, um, you know, you'll kind of see what we're up to, what the next, you know, kind of things that we're, we've got going on. And every day we're trying to do something, this and that. And uh, I'd love for you guys to, you know, for everybody to follow our journey. Um, keep a look at, out for some of the other people we're tagging and posting in. Look them up, support them, look online. you got a lot of cool people that we're constantly, you know, working with every day. And, um, we hope to see you up at one of our shops someday in the future. And, um, it's been a real pleasure getting to know you guys on here and, you know, we've got a little oasis waiting on you. If you ever want to come by. Hey, all right. Work hard and live well. Love it. <laughs> there you go. Thank That's you. Right. Thank you for watching the show. Please like, and subscribe and give us some comments. I'd also like to thank your space for letting us use this wonderful facility. They are a sponsor, Boulevard Realty. Can't say enough great things about them. So thank you again, and until next time. This has been another episode of Your Houston, the show where you can make a difference. <laughs>